As one of the younger children, I sat on the lap of my oldest sister, Christine. The seven of us watched the blocks roll past as Mom drove us from our home on Cascade Way in the Salt Lake City neighborhood of Mount Olympus, straight up into the green foothills of the awe-inspiring Wasatch Mountains. Soon, we all realized our adventure would take place on the grassy knolls behind my school, Eastwood Elementary. It was the same route we used when walking to school, but normally the trek would have been far too risky for all of us, and not because of the cars speeding by. We couldn't afford to draw too much attention to ourselves as a family. It wasn't just the honking, the stares, or the derogatory plagues bellowed out of windows. We were used to all of that. The danger lay in what the authorities would do if they discovered us. It was why I was a Wilson and not a Wall at my school, and why I could only rarely play with the sweet little girl across the street. If she learned the truth about me, about my brothers and sisters, and our family living secretly in the walkout basement, we would risk being discovered. The little girl was curious about us, though. Everyone was. It wasn't that it was unusual in this region to see large families. Salt Lake City was populated with a majority of prolific Mormons, and the small number of Catholic families often had many kids as well. Still, only a few thousand people in Salt Lake dressed even remotely like us. With the exception of July 24th, every year, when the annual parade celebrated our state's Mormon pioneer history, we were highly conspicuous in our long sleeve shirts, girls' long prairie dresses and skirts, and exceptionally long braids. Mom said we were special, but it wasn't until I went to kindergarten that I understood we represented a tiny fraction of the population around us. Mainstream Mormonism had given up polygamy in the late 1890s in order to secure statehood for Utah, so we were now the odd ones who hadn't fallen in line. I hated how kids gawked at us whispering loudly and pointing us out as if we were a tourist attraction. Sometimes the comments were innocent and simply curious. More often, though, they were intentionally demeaning, and it was frightening to wonder whom they would tell and who might put my father in jail and split up our family. So we hid away from the prying eyes of the world. That was also why our mother chose this place, on the edge of the mountain, where few would see us behind the empty school. We spilled out of the car onto the grassy knoll, lush and vibrant from the melting snow. Our mother gathered us up on the top of the hill, where we could look down upon the Salt Lake Valley. Despite the warmth of the sun, I shivered as I looked in the direction of our home below. Hidden amid the many houses of the Gentiles, the wicked people who did not believe in Joseph Smith or Jesus Christ. My mother's lap was full with her toddlers and her ever-expanding belly, but I squeezed in as close as I could. It was a rare treat to have her relaxing with us instead of cooking or cleaning or doing incessant laundry after a long day at work at Hydropack, my father's manufacturing business. I scanned the city. To the north, I picked out the capital towering on the hill above the downtown buildings that obscured the temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons who had fallen away from the work. It was no longer our temple. A deep, unexplainable sadness filled me. 
We worshipped diligently at church, but our people did not have a temple of our own. Someday, in the future, it was foretold we would build one, but for now we simply had to endure life. We had to suffer pain and sacrifice because eternity was what mattered. Dad so often said, It's not if but when the Gentiles will hurt us. It will serve you to remember that always. I put my knees up protectively to my chin as I let my gaze drift across the valley. To my left, the southern part of the city was growing fast. Clumps of business developments and houses span nearly to where the Salt Lake Valley met the Provo Valley. Our prophet, whom our people affectionately called Uncle Roy, had dreamed about the destructions. He said they would arrive when the construction of dwellings extended past that area known as the Point of the Mountain. It was a